905 UTC right after the international. Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 2nd edition of the sunny side of sports. We're now 18 days away to the kickoff of the FIFA World Cup football tournament in Qatar. And here's a fun fact about Africa in the World Cup. 44 years ago, the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia became the first African team to win a World Cup match. Tunisia topped Mexico 3-1 at the 1978 World Cup in Argentina. The Carthage Eagles are now preparing for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And joining us once again for some World Cup analysis about the Tunisian team is my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty World Cup greetings, Muckbill. Sporty World Cup greetings to you too, Sonny. Muckbill, Tunisia is in Group D for the World Cup, along with Australia, Denmark, and defending champion France. Who are the top players for the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia? This is one of the tougher groups for any African team, Sonny. Would I want to be in a group with France and Denmark? (laughs) I don't think so. But nonetheless, if there was an African team that could make some magic happen in this group, it would be the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia. I'd say the top players to watch for the Tunisian side should start with the captain, Dylan Braun, who also plays for the Syria side, Salernitana, and he will be the center of their defense. And as they say, defense wins championships, so he will be huge for their success. Next, I'll have to say the midfielder Elias Shikiri that plays for the Bundesliga side Cologne. He's an outstanding player that holds the midfield down and he has an amazing work rate and he never gives up on plays. Lastly, I would say Yusuf Msekni, who I feel like will be one of their go-to scorers. He's 31 years old and has had a bit of injury that has caused him to be in and out of the national team for some years. But when he's on the squad, he makes a lasting impression. The 50-year-old Tunisian Jalel Kadri was appointed head coach of the Carthage Eagles in January 2022. He's one of five local coaches leading African teams in Qatar. That's a World Cup first for Africa. Muckbill, do you like local coaches leading African teams? Or do you think European coaches could perhaps provide better tactics and experience? That's an excellent question, and I honestly can't say there's a concrete answer on this, unfortunately. I feel like there are great points for either side. The plus side of having a local coach is that he's probably been around these players for a few years. He's also seen their development and knows their game and what they can and cannot do on the field. He also probably can relate more to them, and that's very, very integral for being a coach. As for the European coaches, they come in and provide a lot of expertise on the game, a lot of them having coached on higher levels. But, and I will say this, a lot of times it doesn't necessarily correlate to wins. As we've seen for years, African teams have been led by European or South American coaches, but they haven't 
been that successful. So why not give the local guys a try and see what happens? Muckbill, what has Tunisia's record been like at previous World Cups? Sonny, Tunisia hasn't had a ton of success in their past World Cups, unfortunately, but hopefully this one will be different. They've been in five other World Cups in the years, 1978, 1998, 2002, 2006 and 2018 this year will be their sixth appearance and potentially their first time out of the group stages tunisia will kick off its world cup campaign on november 22nd when it plays denmark now denmark's best world cup performance came in 1998 when it reached the quarterfinals in France. Muckbill, how do you see this Tunisia-Denmark encounter? Sonny, I think that this game is vital for Tunisia. If they're able to win or draw, it'll make their chances that much better for getting out of the group stages. I think they can beat Australia, and with a tie in the Denmark game, they'd have about four points. I don't see them stacking that well against the French side, who are the former champions, but the beauty of football is that Anyone can win as long as it's just one game. The main player that Tunisia has to worry about, in my opinion, would be Christian Eriksen, the captain that also plays midfield for Manchester United. He's great at controlling the tempo of the midfield, and he is also a midfielder that loves to push the ball forward and score. They can try and contain him a bit. They'll have a good chance in their clash with Denmark. Muckbill, economically and culturally... Tunisia and Qatar have close ties. In fact, the Arab Gulf States Institute here in Washington reported at the end of 2020, Qatar was the top Arab investor in Tunisia and the second highest foreign investor after France. For Tunisia, Muckbill, do you think such close economic ties can pay off in a good World Cup performance in Qatar? That's an excellent question, Sonny. I feel like great performances in football require a lot of things. Your fan base being there to support you is key. And the fact that culturally, Qatar and Tunisia, both being Arab-speaking countries, may make them a bit more comfortable playing there. It might also feel like a home game to some of the players. Yusuf Msekni is one of the players to watch that I mentioned earlier, and he plays for a Qatari side, Al Duhal. So he's definitely at home over there. So he may give that same energy and vibe to the rest of the team. That's all for me, Sonny. Back to you. Thanks, Muckbill. That's my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro, speaking with us here in Washington. This is the voice of America, Washington, D.C. Now let's go to Kenya, which is currently banned from all international activities by FIFA, world football's governing body. Despite the ban, Kenyan football fans are excited about the upcoming World Cup in Qatar. For more details, Iron Mike Mbonye called Nairobi, where he reached an online editor with the Nation Media Group, David Kualimwa. The FIFA World Cup begins in Qatar in less than uh, three weeks' time, and uh, uh, there is uh, some sense of excitement and uh, vibe and expectation uh, in Nairobi as we build up to the tournament. Of course, uh, Kenya has had a very tough uh, year on the football pitch uh, with the current country currently facing a ban by FIFA from all international uh, 
all international activities and with that the league uh, in Kenya has stopped but this has not stopped uh, the ardent football fans uh, from anticipating of a very good tournament of course uh, uh, Kenya not participating in the World Cup did not qualify and has been banned but yet again uh, many Kenyan fans are uh, always optimistic and proud to uh, follow some of the football stars and watch what they do and probably speculate about how the tournament uh, will go on. There are already TV and radio shows uh, about the FIFA World Cup. Of course, this being a kind of unique uh, tournament, uh, considering the timing, it is going to be held in November and December. Uh, traditionally, the tournament is head, held in June and July at the end of the season. But this time around, the tournament is going to be at the middle of the season with some of the popular tournaments such as the English Premier League taking a break uh, to allow for the FIFA World Cup year. So uh, a lot of anticipation from Kenya ahead of the FIFA uh, World Cup set for Qatar. Are you optimistic of good outing by the African teams bound for the World Cup? Well, uh, most African teams have been uh, pulled in very tough uh, groups, uh, so to speak, uh, with uh, Senegal, for example, in Group A against host Qatar, Ecuador, and the Netherlands. Uh, uh, Senegal could do well to qualify, but at face value, you would consider Ecuador at, and Netherlands as, as uh, uh, the threats are for Senegal in terms of uh, progressing to the next uh, group uh, with the Tunisian Group D against uh, defending champions France, Australia and Denmark. Uh, you get the impression that Tunisia could qualify if they put in 100% in each and every game. Then there's Morocco who are going to play against Belgium, Canada and Croatia. Very tough group for Morocco there. Uh, with Croatia, remember the losing finalists in the last edition of the tournament. And then there is Cameroon who are up against uh, record holders of uh, Brazil uh, and, uh, and Serbia and Switzerland, while Ghana will face again with uh, Portugal and the Korea Republic and Uruguay. So all in all, uh, you would fancy one or two uh, of the five African teams to progress to the second round of the tournament, and probably one other team to make it to the quarterfinals. It will be a tough ask to expect any of the African teams to get to the semifinals of the tournament, but you just never know. This is football with Lady Luck smiling on your side and uh, adequate preparations. Then one African team could just sneak to the semifinals. Remember, no African team has made it uh, to the semifinals of this uh, tournament. But uh, as it is, as it were, uh, every team that participates in this tournament, every team that has qualified for this tournament has a chance of uh, qualifying. And of course, uh, uh, some of the big African stars uh, like Saido Mane uh, will be gracing this tournament, so you just uh, never say never. David, do you know if there are plans to set up viewing centers in Kenya for fans to watch the matches during the World Cup, despite the absence of any East African team in the finals? Early days, but uh, yes, uh, we've seen the buzz from the corporate world in Kenya in terms of uh, ensuring that uh, the FIFA World Cup has this feel locally. Remember, Kenya. Uh, football in Kenya is the number one sport, even though the national team and Kenyan clubs do not quite perform and don't have any reputation as world beaters. But that hasn't stopped uh, many uh, corporates here in Nairobi to try and uh, organize for some fan fest uh, and, uh, and, and some tents where people can view the games. Of course, the national broadcaster, the Kenyan Broadcasting Corporation, will be airing all the matches live 
and free. Uh, so uh, there is a lot to watch and look out for. I also expect uh, uh, entertainment sports to be filled to the brim as the Kenya Kenyans follow the FIFA World Cup, which is a tournament that is unique and the most popular in the world. Remember, it only occurs once every four years, so the hype is worth uh, the wait. Uh, and uh, I expect as the tournament uh, progresses uh, as it nears the uh, kickoff of the tournament, then I expect uh, uh, the much more bars and billboards to be put up and placards by Kenyans supporting their favorite teams to come up. That's David Kwalimwa an online editor with The Nation Media Group. And David spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Nairobi, Kenya. Hi, guys. I'm Ferdinand Omanyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Ferdinand Omanyala had visa issues and was late arriving at this year's World Championships here in the USA. Omanyala did not win a medal in the northwest U.S. city of Eugene, Oregon, but he then traveled to Birmingham, England, where he won a gold medal in the men's 100 meters at the Commonwealth Games. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, Prince Nesta looks back on some of the medal winners at the World Athletics Championships in Eugene. The event, which took place from July 15th to July 24th in Eugene, Oregon, was held at the Hayward Stadium at the University of Oregon. The refurbished home of track and field events has a capacity of more than 12,000 seats. At least in fans from more than 200 nations grace the event, including Shirley Gray, who's originally from Jamaica but currently residing in Florida. I met the athletics lover right before the first race kicked off and she had plenty of praise for the overall organization of the event. The organization is good. They have everything well planned out. Um, there's no really delay. I've been to more than one world championship athletics, so... We're used to being in line, and they move very fast, and they're doing a wonderful job. Stadium is fantastic. The seats are soft. They're not hard, and it's gorgeous, the stadium. Athletic fans from Africa also attended the championship, including Ethiopia, who, as the name suggests, comes from Ethiopia, and she wished all teams participating from her beloved continent all the best. I'm just like Team Africa. Everybody, we got this. (laughs) We got this. Go Africa. (laughs) The track and field action also witnessed several world records come tumbling down, including Nigerian Toby Amson, who stunned the athletics world by breaking the women's 100-meter hurdles world record. You know, I'm elated. It's been a journey, and I'm thankful to God for keeping me healthy, and I couldn't be more thankful to have come out here with the win and the world record. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Coming into the semis, I knew it was, a, it was a very competitive field, so the goal was to execute and, you know, survive to the finals and seeing the world record, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, I had to keep my composure from the finals. And, you know, I think I handled that pretty good. And all thanks to God. American runner Sydney McLaughlin also broke her own 400-meter handles world record to take gold after clocking to a time of 50.68 seconds. Well, I'll have to start off by saying all the glory to God. Uh, these past few days, just getting ready for this race. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 has been on my mind. 
um, coming boldly to his throne to receive mercy and grace. And I think he really gave me the strength to do it today. So all the glory goes to God. And uh, coming into this race, I just wanted to go out there and attack the whole thing. Uh, Bobby and I have been training for this all year, and I just really wanted to go execute. And the last hundred hurt really bad, uh, but I'm really grateful for it. And I'm grateful for that time and bringing a medal home to Team USA. In other races, Uganda's Joshua Chiptege successfully defended his 10,000 meters world title after clocking a winning time of 27 minutes and 43 seconds. With Kenya Stanley Mburu winning silver and Chiptege's compatriot Jacob Kiplimo taking bronze. Chiptege expressed satisfaction with his own performance after defending his world title. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm very happy to have won here my second gold medal of uh, the, the World Senior Championship. It's uh, spectacular in a, in a way that uh, coming back to Oregon after close to eight years when I won the World Junior Championship, coming to a familiar people, familiar stadium, it just amended my legacy in a distance running. Morocco Sofian El Bakali also ended Kenyan's dominance at the World Championships in the men's 3,000 meters steeple chase after surging past Lamecha Girma of Ethiopia to win gold. Kenyan's Faith Kipiegon also stormed to victory, winning gold in the 1,500 meters race at the World Championships. Kipiegon, winner of the last Olympics 1,500 meter titles, finished with a remarkable time of 3 minutes 52.96 seconds. Ethiopia's Gudaf Tsegei took silver, while British runner Laura Moya won bronze. Kipiegon, who took gold in 2017 and silver in 2019, said regaining her crown, quote-unquote, means a lot. Ooh, I'm so excited uh, to be uh, many times champion in 1500. It's not uh, something easy, but I really thank God. I really thank people around me. I thank my management. I thank my coach. I thank my husband, my daughter as well. I really, really am so grateful. Ethiopia's Gutitown Gabriel Slassi won the women's marathon, while her fellow countryman Tamira Tola won the men's marathon in dominant fashion to take gold in a championship record of 2 hours, 5 minutes and 37 seconds. Fred Kelly narrowly aged fellow Americans Marvin Brazy Williams and Trevon Bromel to claim gold in the men's 100-meter finals. While 35-year-old Shelian Fraser Price became the first person to win five world titles in an individual running event as she led a Jamaican sweep in the 100-meter finals at the World Championship. American runner of South Sudanese descent Athin Mo added to Olympic gold by becoming the first U.S. woman to win 800 meters at the world event. Great Britain's Kelly Hodgkinson took silver, with Mary Mora of Kenya securing bronze. He is the 20-year-old middle-distance runner from New Jersey's reaction to her incredible performance. I just physically wasn't where I would like to be, but... I mean, I just, I just didn't feel my best, and so um, I knew it was going to be a little tough, but I mean, I was super faithful out there. I just wanted to make sure I didn't leave anything out on the track, and whatever ha- was going to happen today was going to happen, and so I just wanted to make sure I got out there, did my best, you know, run how I usually run, and thankfully I got the gold, and thankfully I, I still had, you know, something in me so I could just run through the line and finish strong. Um, but my main goal is just to go out there and leave it all on the track and just do my best. The U.S. finished with 33 medals to top the standings, breaking the record of 31 medals won by East Germany in 1987. 
The U.S. had 13 golds, 9 silver and 11 bronze, while Ethiopia finished second with 4 golds, 4 silver and 2 bronze medals. Jamaica took third place with 2 golds, 7 silvers and 1 bronze. Kenya secured 2 golds, 5 silvers and 3 bronze medals to take fourth place, while China completed the top 5 with 2 golds, 1 silver and 3 bronze medals. The 19th edition of the World Athletics Championships are scheduled to be held from 18th August to 27th August 2023 in Budapest, Hungary. Reporting for the sunny side of sports on Prince Nestor in Eugene, Oregon. Thanks, Prince. From Eugene, let's go east across the United States to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the Philadelphia Phillies have powered their way to a 7-0 win over the Houston Astros in Game 3 of Major League Baseball's World Series. The Phillies now lead the best-of-seven championship series two games to one. The AP's Michael Luongo reports from Philadelphia. The long ball was the order of the day for the Phillies as they belted out five home runs in a 7-0 win over the Astros in Game 3 of the World Series. Bryce Harper had a two-run home run in the bottom of the first. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, you know, we all talk about the, the top of our lineup, right, but also the bottom of our lineup. I mean, our rookies and, you know, we call them our daycare, right? I mean, they, they showed up for us all year long. Um, and it's been fun to watch. I mean, it's each guy in our lineup, we have all the faith in the world in them to, to go out there and, and perform, and we just got to keep doing that. That was followed by solo home runs by Alec Bohm and Brandon Marsh in the bottom of the second. Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins added back-to-back homers in the bottom of the fifth. For Hoskins, it was his sixth home run of the postseason. We know the type of offense that those guys have over there, so it's always key. It, however many runs that we have never feels like enough. Ranger Suarez picked up the win. Michael Luongo, Philadelphia. Thanks, Michael. Game four of Major League Baseball's World Series is scheduled for later Wednesday night in Philadelphia. In National Basketball Association news, the Brooklyn Nets fired head coach Steve Nash. And with another former guard, Jacques Vaughn, leading the team, then lost to the visiting Chicago Bulls Tuesday night. The AP's Christian Arnold reports from New York. Zach Levine scored 20 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter, leading the Bulls to a 108-99 victory over the Nets following a dramatic day in Brooklyn. I felt good a lot, a lot of the games, just you know, getting back to the rhythm. But, um, you know, we were all aggressive. And, you know, sometimes just catch a rhythm. And, you know, that's all I'm looking to do. It's my fifth game back. And, you know, catch a rhythm. I'm feeling better and better each game, letting the game come to me. And, man, I'm just glad we got the win. Levine played a key part in the 15-2 run in the fourth to gain control of the game for Chicago. DeMar DeRozan added 20 points of his own in the win. The Nets let go of head coach Steve Nash earlier in the day. Nash had entered his third year with Brooklyn. And Kevin Durant, who finished the game with 32 points, said he was shocked by the move. You're always shocked when a move like this happens. But it's normal in the NBA. You know, so it's about getting ready for the game tonight. The Bulls moved to 4-4 four and four on the season while the Nets fell to 2-6. and six. Christian Arnold, New York. Thanks, Christian. The Nets are reportedly now pursuing exiled Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka as Steve Nash's full-time replacement. Udoka, a former player on Nigeria's national team, the Tigers, was suspended by the Celtics in September for having an inappropriate relationship with a female team staffer. And Udoka has ties to the Nets. He was an assistant coach on Nash's staff during the 2020-2021 NBA season. This is the voice of America. 
Washington, D.C. My Voice of America colleague, Gwen Uden, reports a historic soccer ball used in the 1986 World Cup quarterfinal between Argentina and England is expected to fetch at least $3 million at an auction November 16th. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. We are only 18 days away from the start of the FIFA World Cup with Qatar on track to welcome over 2 million fans for this year's football tournament. And those who plan to travel to Doha will have a chance to travel back in time and relive some of the greatest moments in World World Cup history inside the brand new 321 Cutter Olympic and Sports Museum. Some of the tournament's rarest and most treasured objects are currently on display in a showcase dubbed the World of Football Exhibition. And among the dozens of shirts and shoes worn by some of the greatest athletes to ever play the sport hangs the famous Hand of God jersey worn by Argentine soccer legend Diego Maradona in the 1986 World Cup quarterfinals in Mexico. Last May, the number 10 was auctioned off to a secret buyer for a record-breaking 9 million U.S. dollars, the highest price ever paid for sports memorabilia. That shirt is now on loan to the Sports Museum in Qatar. Now, the football touched by the feet and hand of Maradona during that legendary World Cup match is going up for auction in London later this month. The auction will be conducted by Graham Budd, who says he expects the football to fetch upwards of $3 million. There were, there were three goals scored with that one football. The first one, as you quite rightly say, was one of the most controversial goals of all time, the hand of God goal. Um, and then the second goal was the other side of Maradona, that sort of flawed genius, which was this virtuoso effort, which was voted goal of the century, uh, 20th century in a FIFA poll. Uh, and then the third goal, Gary Lineker won the golden boot by scoring it. So it's a really historic ball and one of, one of the most famous World Cup matches in history. And we're expecting it to fetch between two and a half and three million pounds. As you just heard Graham Budd describe, the historic football was used throughout the 1986 World Cup quarterfinal between England and Argentina. The ball found the back of the net three times in the second half of the match. The first two goals were scored by Diego Maradona for Argentina. In the first, Maradona got ahead of English goalkeeper Peter Shilton, and instead of heading the ball, Maradona palmed it into England's net in a goal he later described as helped by the hand of God. Minutes later, Maradona performed a mesmerizing dribble past six English opponents to score what is commonly referred to as the goal of the century. The third goal was made by England, but they weren't able to score an equalizer, and Argentina won the match 2-1. And as auctioneer Graham Budd points out, Diego Maradona single-handed transformed that 1986 World Cup match into one of the greatest games in football history. It is, you know, it is the hand of God ball from the hand of God match. And um, it's not just a sort of an England-Argentina thing. You can, you can mention the hand of God match in the football nations of the world and they'll know exactly what you're talking about and, uh, and its importance in, in football history. It's just going to be one of those matches that will be talked about and remembered 
uh, for eternity, really. Former England footballer Terry Butcher was part of the defense that Maradona famously passed to score the goal of the century. Butcher says the football that's now up for auction brings back a flood of memories from 1986 and some bitter emotions for what he believes was a missed call that led to his side's quarterfinal exit. Um, it's a bit surreal um, because I didn't get many touches of the ball. <laughs> so uh, it's the closest I've been to that ball for uh, 36 years, I think it is. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of sweet memories for me. Um, obviously, to play for England in a World Cup quarter final at that stage for me was, was really exciting. But then to lose under the circumstances that we lost is uh, very, very depressing. And bits leaves a bit of taste in the mouth. Still does. Still, I've still got that feeling as well. It's looking very deflated, the ball. Not as deflated as we were after the game, but it is not quite the shape that you remember it. But it is, it is quite unique. And it's, it's unique, obviously, for the hand of God, for the, for the um, wonderful second goal that he scored, which is not so wonderful from our point of view, but it's, uh, it's iconic. It'll never be uh, reproduced. There'll never be another ball like it in football. It's probably the most famous football in, in football history. And in another piece of World Cup history, the iconic Adidas Azteca football is being sold by Tunisian Ali bin Nassar, the referee who officiated the 1986 World Cup quarterfinal match and awarded Argentina their controversial first goal. Following that iconic match, Ali bin Nassar claimed the famous Hand of God football that is now set to go up for auction on November 16th in London. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. that wraps up the November 2nd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.